0: The rich have always made the rules. Rules about tax savings, social security, required minimum distributions, financial do's and don'ts. But they don't tell you what those rules are. Because if you knew the rules, you could take advantage of them like the wealthy do. Where do you go to learn about these rules? And how do you take advantage of them for your benefit? Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. That's Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Total Financial Hour. Now, higher income strategies. Higher income strategies. That's what we're all about at the Total Financial Hour. Thanks for being with me this morning. Thanks for staying tuned. To AM870, the answer is we talk about your family's financial life. try to keep it simple and easy to understand. It's always interesting to me when you uh, when I talk with the client. They come back from their financial advisor, planner, CFPBG, and that guy comes in the door and says, "You know, I have this big chunk of paperwork. I have this uh, this report," and I nodded. And I thought I understood what he was talking about or what she was talking about. And it seems the moment I walk out the door, it just kind of didn't make sense anymore. I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, I just had a couple of questions. How much money am I going to have and how long will it last? I said, well, that looks like I think the longest I've seen or the largest I've seen I've seen was 148 pages. I said, they took 148 pages to answer those two questions. And look, part of your financial life is that you don't want to become an expert in this field. You need to know, you need to understand, you need to be a part of the the conversation, a part of the solution, because your family's finances are, are a result of your effort. Choices that you made, choices you didn't make, decisions that you were a part of over the years, that's part of the financial process that has got you to where you are. So... Get away from some of the craziness and let's just keep it simple and easy to understand. Behind the engine, you know, a lot of things happen when you start your car, don't you? You start your car. you know there's things that are happening with the fuel and the spark plugs and and the uh, electronic uh, admission uh, or ignition uh, systems the the fuel was created and, and brought from the ground in the form of oil. I mean, you understand this full transportation system or not <laughs> most people don't they say hey uh, when I sit in the car and I put the key in the ignition or I push the button does it go and then when I stop and I put it in park does it stop I'm not saying you don't need to understand the basics you have to keep the oil changed, to the air in the tires you have to keep fuel in the in the tank those are very important parts to making the rest of the machine run but don't ever be confused that you have to know how to tear apart an engine or put a new head gasket on or try to find your fuel filter and make sure that it's not clogged that's not your job your job is to find an expert that handles your car so our job is to be an expert in guaranteeing and protecting and and getting a conserv having a conservative approach so that your income is going to be there because it, it isn't important for you to understand how the currency devaluation between the the ruble and the Chinese Yuan is affecting the global trade with over the water transportation um, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. I think I think you're gonna look in the mirror and say ah, can I have some more coffee please this is gonna be a long night so our job here is to keep things simple and easy to understand so thanks for being with me we're gonna get into some basics here there are some changes coming down the road We've seen the, uh, the changes happen a little bit over the years, about six, maybe eight weeks ago, President Trump signed an executive order uh, that said uh, to, I want to say it was the Department of Labor and to the Department of Treasury, to take a look at some of the changes that he would like to see in the retirement world, specifically that the uh, re- required minimum distribution, the RMD, the required minimum distribution, be revised. Because so many times we're seeing people that are hitting age 70, 71, 72, and they don't need the money. And yet they're forced to start taking money out of their retirement account. They're forced to start pulling money into uh, their their taxable income and reduce their savings. So two things are happening. Your savings are being reduced and your taxes are being increased. So President Trump signed this executive order for his team to take a look at a couple of things. What if we move that date out? What if we take the seventy and a half uh, required minimum distribution and move that out? I don't know the age I think he I don't, I don't even think he put an age in there. I think he just wants it reviewed. My opinion is if we take the seventy and a half and we move it to seventy five because people are still working there's the today's seventy is like yesterday's sixty. A lot of you are still active you're still running and exercising and and even working, so there isn't a reason to liquidate this account just what, so that it can be a taxable event for the government? I think the government would prefer to not have you be a burden on the health care system and instead use your own money at a later date. I think the government should be thinking twice about uh, the, the social security system and instead of making it so that is your only source of income in retirement, now you're more dependent on the government, right? We know one political party wants you to be dependent on the government. We know one political party's job is to say that the The individual is smaller and the government is larger. And and as Dennis Prager uh, brings us up, in fact, we spoke the other day and he said something very clear. I've heard him say it on the air before, but it's just something different when you're in front of him. And it was this, the smaller the government, the bigger the individual. And that's what the United States is founded on. I was in Europe recently. Beautiful place, historic, wonderful. But you can feel, you can get the feeling that as an individual, you don't matter the same. They're not bad places, but the ones that are really messed up are rushing towards our system. And because we've got it made so so nicely here, the Democrats seem to have to find a problem. Right? They have to find a problem somewhere. And so instead of just solving the solutions and saying, well, I guess this is going to be a gimme to President Trump, we're going to give him the fact that, that unemployment's in the three percentile numbers. We're going to give him a, a, a gimme. All right. The economy wages are growing at over 3%. We haven't had that in 10 years. Wage growth of over 3%? Nope, doesn't happen. So instead of doing that, they have to say, oh, those are crumbs. Oh, that doesn't matter. Well, if you're a retiree and you're thinking, wait a second, guys, those numbers kind of matter to me because it would be nice to get a pay raise in Social Security. Hmm. Be nice to have health care costs reduce. You guys have heard me. I, I'm going I'm to say this probably uh, forever, at least until it changes. The year before Obamacare took into effect, I was $870 a month for a PPO with a $4,000 deductible. That was my health insurance, wife and three children. Three years later, it's $3,200 a month with a $12,000 deductible. Same plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Well, thank you. So I, I go from $4,000 deductible to 12. And you realize when you make when your insurance premiums are 3,000 a month, it isn't as if you have to earn 3,000 and you pay 3,000. No, no. You have to earn five or six, pay your state taxes, your payroll taxes, your federal income taxes, then what's left you get to buy your health insurance with. You know, everybody talks about the, the student who was sick at 27 years old and finally had health insurance. Those folks aren't going to get health insurance they're the same people that aren't paying their student loans on time. You think they can afford health insurance? All right. So a lot of people are saying, I'm not going to pay the $3,000 a month. I'm not going to pay the $1,500 a month. So when you're in retirement, health care costs are sufficiently impactful to your budget. That's why I think the required minimum distribution, which is the draining of your retirement accounts, they're requiring you to take. Now, look, if you don't take it out, if you don't take it, take it out when when you're supposed to the penalty is fifty five zero percent so let's be clear on that if you were supposed to withdraw ten thousand dollars and you didn't for whatever reason you forgot your financial advisor was golfing whatever they were doing that $10,000 is forced out taxable 50% penalty penalty to the federal government of uh, uh, 50% penalty to the state of California in addition to that 50%. Income state, federal, income state tax for the state. All right, so those dollars those those dollars, could really take up nearly all of your money. So if you were forced to take out 10000 you didn't, expect to have somewhere in the neighborhood of oh, I don't know, 90 to 100% of the money gone, depending on your tax bracket. So don't make a mistake of not taking out your required minimum distribution. Now we're hoping that That this uh, new rule that the president's putting into place, hopefully, we've seen him make some changes, it will help our seniors, because you'll realize that you're not going to be forced to take out the funds. Now, listen, the the state of uh, California may not make its changes, but the required minimum distribution is currently followed by the states, meaning the states have a similar rule. They just follow along uh, with whatever the federal government system is, as far as the dates, the ages, they kind of default to that. Okay. So here's a few things that I want you to take a look at. Number one, in your financial life with these changes that are coming up, is there a way that you can continue to save? Well, this is important. The new IRS retirement rules say, if you're going to save and plan for your future and you're going to put it in the stock market, And we're going to have another downturn like we did in 2000 2001 2002 do you realize that was the first time that there was a three-year decline in the market the last time but prior to that that we had two years in a row was in the early 70s and then we had three years in a row and then in 2007 eight nine we had another two-year window that that we dropped to the floor so keep in mind that if you're going to retire or you're already retired and you're going to be collecting money from your retirement accounts, you're going to need something safe just in case there's another hiccup. Oh, have you not been paying attention to the month of October? Right? People have lost. Just because the market was down 10 or 12 or 15 or 8 or whatever percent that the market's down, it doesn't mean your portfolio is down the same. We've had folks come to me and say, Arif, my account's down 25%. And the reason? Because your broker invested in pretty heavy Heavily risky stocks. You don't know that because they might have done it through mutual funds or ETFs. But those are pretty aggressive. And if you don't like that aggressiveness in the market, then you want to move money to safety. So here's what we talk about. How do you have a fixed indexed annuity or a fixed indexed account or a fixed annuity, right? I like the word fixed, but I don't want you to have fees. There are some pretty crummy ones out there where they attach income riders to that, for people that don't. And so now they're paying a fee for something they're never going to use or something that they don't even need. So stay away from accounts that have income riders when you don't need them. Pay attention. Make sure if it's appropriate for you, great. If it's free, fine. Take it. You'll see some of them out there that are free. Take them. But if you're going to pay for it, make sure that whatever you're paying for works for you. So why do I say seven years? That's a big deal. 7 years is a is a big mistake uh, that most people don't follow follow the 7 year rule. Here's what it is. You take 7 years of your income that you're going to need from your retirement accounts. So let's say it gives you for the sake of argument 20,000 a year. Now that supplements your pension, it supplements your your uh, social security. And you're going to be pulling 20,000 a year from your retirement accounts. And right now it's fine, you make it in the market you're you're up, oh, you lost it, oh, it goes up, and it take twenty thousand times seven years because that's about how long it has taken in, in recent history for the market to recover its losses like a trough. it goes down and right back up, so that distance between the top and the top is about seven years. So you take seven years times twenty thousand a year, that's a hundred and forty thousand. Maybe you want a little bit of cost of living increase, so maybe you put. 150 or 160. That's what you move out of the market. And I don't mean bonds. If it can go up and down, if you can put money in the market, chances are good that you can go backwards as well, right? Chances are good you can lose money and you're going backwards in the market. So part of what you want to do with your family's finances is take a look and say, hey, how do you keep from going backwards? Well, you don't sit there and put all your eggs in one basket. So 140,150. So let's take a look. Got some buzzing happening here. All right. The required minimum distribution, you're still going to have to take it out regardless of where it is. You could have it in stocks, bonds, uh, CDs. You can have it in all sorts of places. And as you do, those requirements don't change the overall number. So you take 7%. Move it to a place, uh, I'm sorry, 70 uh, seven years worth, about eh, 150000 Move it to a place where you do not lose the principal. I like fixed indexed annuities. Why? Eh, because it doesn't give you any kind of risk. You don't go backwards. All right. Number one, remember the rule of 100. Another way to take and, and have some of your money set aside, if you're saying, well, that's nice. I just don't even need the risk anymore. What do I do? I want you to consider the rule of 100. That means you take your age, minus 100, and that's the amount of money you have at risk. So, if you're 70 years old, you have 30% at risk. If you're 65, you have 35% of your money at risk. So, if you have a million dollars and you have 35%, that means 350000 that's in the market. The rest of it can be safe. But here's... I always say a trick. I don't know. I, I got to think of a better word. Here's a strategy that some of the bad guys are using. They've changed the rule of 100. It used to be the rule of 100. For 22 years, I've been doing this financial, as a professional in the financial world, it's always been the rule of 100. Until recently, they're saying, oh, it's now the rule of 105. And one company is going, now it's the rule of 110. Why? Because the only way they get paid is if your money is at risk. They charge a fee if you can lose your money. If you can't lose your money, then your money doesn't make them a profit. It doesn't give them any income. So your broker has to continue to move that date out so that a greater amount of your money is at risk, because the more you have at risk, the more he or she can fee. Now they'll tell you different reasons, whatever. Well, the 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 life expectancy is reshifting. I don't know if it is. And and even if it is, mm, look at what just <laughs> happened to the market. Is risk really that good? If you're 80 years old, you should have, uh, you know, 30 percent of your money in the market. Really, you you, you think you need that much risk? I, I would beg to differ. So I think you're going to have to have a few things. Number one, keep in mind. That what you have at risk might take seven years to come back, okay, those seven years and because it takes it could take seven years to come back that's why we have those seven years dollars set aside. next, there is going to be a cost for health care Medicare part a, Medicare part b, prescription drug uh, d as in david right those those are all there. But what about some of the HMO plans, right? You've seen some of the big Kaiser plans and FACE and some of the others where you can take your insurance and and have your Medicare premiums go to that third party, that HMO. You might pay a supplemental in addition to that and get some of the other coverages that that might matter to you. But do you think those costs are going to go up? Of course they are. The more the insurance companies, the, the health insurance uh, act that you know Obama did, the Affordable Health Care Act, is a bunch of baloney. All it was was a bailout for health insurance companies. It was a way to get health insurance companies on board with this new Obamacare because there's a sunset provision. So it says, we're going to let you screw the American public. We're going to let you go after them financially for the next 10 years. After that, all bets are off. So they came in and they ginned up the system, the Obama administration, so that the health care health uh, health insurance companies didn't have to worry about competition, certain regulations, and they gave them the keys to the kingdom. And when they did that, they hurt you. I don't think that's going to change. If you guys think you're going to vote them into power again, and they're not going to mess up the system with the uh, health uh, Medicare for all do you understand that bankrupts the system? There just isn't the money. Uh, I mean, look, if you go to a doctor's and you say, listen, doctor, uh, I know you spent 12 years of your life after college to get educated. Okay, I, I get it. After high school, that that's your college, your your expertise. You, you're you brilliant. So we're going to pay you $90,000 a year, and you have 500000 in student loans debt. How many people do you think are going to become a doctor? They're going to say, why am I going to do this again? This isn't worth it. I'm going to go become a plastic surgeon. Or I'm going to go and become a, a, a doctor that works where the, uh, the treatments are discretionary. Because people will pay that for that money. But the average, uh, you know, go to the doctor, I have a sore knee, sore back. Those physicians aren't going to do it. It just mathematically doesn't work. Hey, you're going to be a slave to your student loan for the next uh, 35 years. So the system is going to change. It has to change. It will change. There is no question. You either have to get rid of a lot of the insurance companies so doctors are not going to take a haircut on what they get paid, or you have to and give free education to all the physicians. So you decide. You're the voter. You decide. If you want folks to become physicians, they're going to have to have a backup plan. Because when we have a client, we, we do a, a retirement plan for a physician. And he's also, he was also my, uh, my orthopedic surgeon years ago. So, so he goes, Eric, you've got to check this out. He received a letter from Blue Cross that said, uh, due to the, uh, the premiums uh, just not meeting the goals, as a doctor, we're going to have to pay you less money. And he had another letter that says, as a customer of a Blue Cross insurance plan, we're paying the doctors too much money, so we're going to have to charge you an increase in fee. So he received a letter as both parties, right? He was the doctor and he was the employer. So I said, well, how much are you receiving from, from," he said, somewhere between 25 and 35%. So that's why doctors are billing $4,000 for an aspirin, because they only receive three dollars or $2, well, right? Right? I mean, you understand? The, the difference is so astronomical. You almost have to stop, wipe away everything, and say, just become a cash patient. So if I walk into a doctor I said, forget about all the insurance tables and charts and graphs. I am just going to be a cash patient. Because Arif and his family, we're paying $60,000 a year before the insurance company pays one penny. 60000 And we, quote, have the best plan. Sixty thousand a year, and that's post-tax money. Add taxable income—I don't know, seventy-five, eighty, a hundred. So consider this: if you're going to have a system where you're going to charge people and you make it mandatory, astronomical rates of return, uh, rates of, of payment. Eventually, people, there, there, just isn't any more money. Affect you, the retiree, because you're the one with the cash, and if you're not, you're going to be on Medi-Cal anyway. But if you are, if you have money for retirement, you're gonna be the one that they target. So keep in mind that healthcare is a huge part, and I think that, back to full circle, that required minimum distribution is going to allow you to not be forced to take out money and withdraw and drain down your bank account. One of the challenges we see is this. That required minimum distribution, that RMD or MDR, that formula, is based on December 31st of last year. December 31st of last year, we were at record highs in the market. So that means you're forced to take out a huge percentage, but today, what is your balance? Really low. So you have to take out a percentage based on the large number of December 31st of last year, but today, your balance is low. Ask your CPA, your tax preparer, your financial advisor, ask them, say, uh is there a remedy to this? Is there something I can do to not have to to reduce it by that substantial of a number? Okay, because that can make a difference in your your uh, retirement accounts because once the money's gone, it's gone forever. It just disappears. It, it it's no longer as part of your your financial retirement plan. Now, there are ideas. There are things you can do. A good financial professional will sit down and say, okay, how do we, how do we start mitigating this in your late, mid to, to late 60s? How do we start withdrawing the account, dripping it through? You need to meet with your CPA and your financial advisor and say, is there a way for me to reduce my, my uh, RMD requirement, the, the amount I'm supposed to take out, slowly so that I pay less in taxes each and every year? So I kind of drip that into my retirement account? Can I do that? And that's a helpful way. Because then your family isn't stuck with big tax bills where you you look around and you don't have any write-offs. Because part of the challenge is when you're saving for retirement, even if you're in your 50s and 60s and you're saving for retirement, consider the Roth, R-O-T-H, 401k, the Roth 403b. Now, the 403b is for teachers and educators. The Roth 401k, it's for for for-profit employees, but it's post-tax money. All right, so pay attention. When we come back, I'm going to give you the new numbers on the retirement plan rules. What is changing? How much more can you put in? Because that's actually going to be a big difference for some, and you need to know these numbers. And we'll go into the rules of how you can save money for retirement because I don't want you to make a mistake, believe it or not. If you do, there's another penalty or fine just waiting for you. And then I'm going to get rid of some of the myths of having them uh, when Social Security withholds money because you're making too much. What are some of the myths? What happens to that money? So that it kind of cleans up the, the thought process of, of reality versus fiction. We have that for you. Give me a call at 888 retire eight 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 We'll be back after the break. 888 retire I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour on AM870. The answer. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial Hey, welcome back power. to the show, the Total Financial Hour. Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. Hey, thanks for being with us. Give me a call at 888 retire That's 888 retire Your family's finances depend on you paying attention because a lot of us are not paying attention. You follow the bouncing ball. You follow the shiny object. Uh, which is whatever the crisis is at the moment, I want you to pay attention to two things. Number one is if you are still saving for retirement, you need to take advantage of the rules. Look, rich people make the rules, not poor people. I didn't say bad or good, just rich people. But rich people have always made the rules. Whether you were uh, you know, Cleopatra on the Nile River, boy, don't worry, she made the rules to benefit herself, her friends, her family. Attila the Hun, Napoleon, Fidel Castro, the United States, Rich people have always made the rules to benefit themselves, or friends, and their family. But there's one catch. In the United States, it says the rules apply to everyone. Now, as long as you learn them. If you learn the rules, you win. One of the wealthiest uh, men of his day in the Washington, D.C. area was a, a gentleman by the name of Frederick Douglass. Oh, wait. Frederick Douglass, I believe, was a freed slave. He was a black man who was... Very wealthy, owned multiple real estate and businesses. and So the rules apply to everyone. Figure it out, you win. He was an intelligent man and figured it out. It wasn't about race. Isn't it interesting that the Democrats lead everything with race? I don't understand that. I was told that the content of your character is what mattered. From elementary school on, I was told that who you are as a person on the inside was much more important than who you were on the outside. And isn't it interesting that if you don't have anything else to talk about, you talk about the obvious, right? Very much so. Just like if you're uncomfortable, there's no difference. You walk in. Hi, uh, how's the weather? Oh, the weather's interesting. Oh, it's raining, right? When you're shallow, when you're not sure, when you're uncomfortable, when you're not confident, that's what happens at the beginning of every relationship. And then you get into the details. The Democrats can't get past the, let's talk about the weather, right? Because they talk about the obvious, which is, believe it or not, race. And you can do nothing about it. Why do you think they push for separate graduations at Harvard and other universities for black and white? Is that not insane? Why aren't you people rioting in the streets? Why aren't you upset? You, you did it when the, uh, when the governor stood in front of the, the schoolhouse in the 50s and wouldn't let uh, little uh, children come and study. Right when black children weren't allowed to go into the schoolhouse door, many of you stood up. The ones that were the racist pigs at the time, you are the ones today that support Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Dare you be so bold? Well, you guys, there's no difference. We look back at those people. The governor thought he was doing a good thing, and he was a a racist. And today we recognize that. We say, man, that man was bad. What he said and did was was evil. It's the same thing for you guys today. You understand that you guys are the bad guys today. Now you'll know it someday. Someday you'll go back. Oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I believe that. I can't believe that race was consistently the thing that we just and gender and we just continually talked about the sub whatever. Those categories. Ronald Reagan made it very clear. I'm an American of Lebanese descent. I'm an American of Spanish descent. I'm American of Mexican descent, right? Because he said, once you become an American, that changed everything. And I wasn't a big supporter of his in the first term. I was a a kid, but I still wasn't a huge supporter because I believed what my teacher said at school, bombs and racism, nuclear war tomorrow. And then you realize, wait a second, no, 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 he's for America. Now he had a smile. He had a little bit more class, certainly a lot more panache than maybe our current president. Okay, I get it. And what? you want me to agree with 100% of you? I don't agree with 100% of my wife. I'm supposed to agree with 100% of a president? I don't want to be his friend. I don't want to be his neighbor. It'd be nice maybe to meet him someday. Maybe, hey, how are you? Great. That'd be fun just because the president. But kind of other than that, just fix my country. I'm not interested in agreeing with you 100%. I don't agree with uh, anybody 100%. But I do hope you figure out one thing, that if you don't vote and keep things straight and narrow, that you don't keep the, the, the country away from this racial craziness, right? We had a biracial president the first time in the history of the United States, a man who was half white, half black. The first biracial president could have fixed a lot of stuff by coming out and being above the fray, but he didn't. He didn't for lots of reasons. He made it about class, money, rich, poor. And meanwhile, whatever you didn't have, you thought you were... Look, look I've had clients. It's pretty funny, guys. I've had clients come to me, and they have $40,000 to their name, and they make 50000 a year. I've had folks that have $3 million to their name, uh, debt-free, and they make 250000 a year. And both of them will say that they're middle class. Well, I'm middle class. I'm average, maybe a little above average, maybe a little below, but, but I'm average. Everybody thinks they're middle class. That's why when you guys pass laws to go get the, quote, rich people, and then you turn around and you wonder why people are chasing you with pitchforks, you're the rich guy. Because in America, if you have more than about six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000 saved, you're in the top 10%. And I don't even say, just a house, a house in Southern California, and you're halfway there. I don't mean in your checking account where you could go buy whatever you want because you understand the rich mindset is not somebody who just goes and consumes things, right? If you're poor, in other words, poor doesn't mean no money in the pocket. Poor means the mindset. Ask Robert Kiyosaki. I learned a lot from him. And he said, if you're poor in the mindset, then you think your job is just to consume things. So you get a bonus, you buy something. You get a pay raise, you buy something. A tax refund, you buy something. The rich mindset says, what can I invest? Where can I save? How can I grow my wealth and not grow the stuff in my garage? So those are different mindsets. That is important because today, well, starting in 2019, the IRS has changed some of the retirement plan rules. And in 2019, you are allowed to save in a company retirement plan. What is a company retirement plan? 401k. That's a for-profit. 403B, that is a nonprofit, school district, hospital, research facility. That's an employee that works for those guys. What if it's a 457? 457 is a deferred comp. That's if you work for a city, county, state agency. Okay, so if you're an employee of for the federal government, yours is called a thrift savings plan. When you look at those, they all are in the 400 brackets, the 400 numbers, meaning you go to the IRS code, section 401, subsection K. Huh, if I work for a for-profit company, I can put money in a retirement account. That's all it matters. Uh, That's all uh, the, the number means. It just means where it's found in the IRS code. Okay, there isn't any mystery with it. Now, if you work for one of those and you're under the age of 50, so 49 or younger, including on December 31st, if you're born... December 31st and you turn 50 this year, then you qualify for the 50-year-old and older rules. But 49 and younger, you will go from 18,500 is the maximum you can put in to 19,000. If you are 50 years or older, you get a bump up to 25,000. That means you're allowed to if you have earned income. So here's the the unique part of this. Earned income means this. It means you go to work and you create a paycheck. 401k, same thing. You have to be eligible for a 401k. But for example, if you have money coming from a pension, uh, if you're withdrawing from your retirement accounts, Social Security, those do not count as earned. That's called unearned income. So if you have earned income, which is a 1099 or a W-2, then you can take some of that money and put it into your retirement accounts, including a traditional IRA. Traditional IRA will go from five thousand five hundred up to six thousand if you are forty-nine years or younger. If you are fifty years or older, you are allowed to put in seven thousand per year. So, if you are eligible, in other words, if you turn uh, fifty in October of next year, then you can, beginning January first, put in six thousand dollars. And between January first and April. 15, you can put in money for the previous year and for the current year. So you actually have room to put in a little extra money. If you're waiting to, to kind of save up or if you have to pay off some other bills, gives you a chance to do that. But still, it has to have come from an earned income uh, place. Now, there's no nexus. There's, there isn't a, a direct connection between the funds and the retirement account, meaning Here's a paycheck for $1,000. I take $1,000. I put it into a retirement account, and I'm done. That's not how it works. They don't care where you get the money from, as long as you have a credit on the books of at least that number that, that is keeping you from, uh, you, know, you know, that, that you want to put in. For example, let's say your earned income is only $3,000. Maybe you work part-time, seasonal. $3,000. You might make a hundred from your unearned income, your rental property. That's all great. But if you only worked for 3000 that's the most you can put into a retirement account is 3000 not the rest. Is that clear? It's hard to do it without a whiteboard, but I think you're following. If you make a mistake, and folks come to us sometimes, and they say, hey, Eric, I was referred to you by my brother, and I'm not really sure about this, and I got this letter in the mail, and I asked him about it, and he said to come and see you. We said, okay, let's take a look. We take a look. We make some phone calls. We call your CPA. We find out at the end of the story that you counted money for earned income and you put it into a retirement account years ago because the IRS is not quick to catch these things just so you know usually takes them a couple of years so a couple of years go by and now you have fines interest penalties fees now you might think all of those are the same well according to the IRS those are all different so whatever you put into your retirement account is now forced back out and is fee, uh, feed and find all those uh, different things, so make sure that if you make a mistake like that, you fix it as quick as possible, or if you do want to put money into a retirement account, just make sure you have earned income okay that changes everything. Hey, if you have a question, give us a call at triple eight ninety nine retire triple eight ninety nine retire that's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven on the total financial hour. On AM 870, the answer, okay, as we continue, my name is Arif Hallaby, your family's finances are are really focused on your efforts, isn't it, right? You're trying to make the decision, should I retire early, should I turn on Social Security at a younger time? Here's what happens. When you are putting money into Social Security, uh, and and each and every year that you're working, uh, they take a 35-year run rate, right? They take 35 years of what you've put in, there's averages, there's numbers that they use, et cetera. But here's some of the challenges. What if you want to continue to work, but you also want to take money out of Social Security? A lot of Americans, especially in 2008, 2009, when they were laid off, they were 62, 3, 4, 5. They weren't prepared to start pulling money from Social Security. Their financial life said, well, we're going to start pulling from Social Security, but when I'm 66 or 68. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, whether they were sick or just laid off or just couldn't find another job, they were forced to start pulling social security early now if that happens and you're prior to your your uh, full retirement age maybe it's 66 or 66 and a half some of you at 67 but if you are pulling money out of your retirement account prior to uh, sorry out of your social security prior to your full retirement age so then the IRS and social security has a, a penalty formula it says You are allowed to earn, and in 2019, it will be $17,640. So you can earn. Remember, when I say earn, it's not your pension. It is not your retirement account or your rental property. You can physically go out and make $17,640. If you do, then they don't take anything from your Social Security. If you were supposed to receive $2,000 a month, at 62 or 3 or 4, whenever you retire, your 2000 a month is coming in the door. However, if you make more than 17640 in 2019, then for every $2 you make above that number, Social Security will withhold $1. And they will take that dollar from your your Social Security payments. So that means that if you are going to be working past your receiving of Social Security, then you will lose that money, is what most people think. But where does it really go? If you file at 62, your your Social Security benefits don't just go away. In fact, they go somewhere on the back end of your payments once you hit uh, your full retirement age. So let's say you're pulling money out of your Social Security at 63, and then you get a job, and you're working, but you're still collecting, and now you go over this number, and your Social Security check drops, 300 a month, let's say. Once you hit your full retirement age of 66, 67, that 300 for all those months is added to your new Social Security check so your, your income at 66 or 60 it goes up substantially in some cases. So don't think it just disappears and they hold it back forever. It doesn't. You get an increase, but after your full retirement age. So it's a way for you to say, you know what? I, I want a higher paycheck later, but I want to make money now. And since I've been collecting Social Security for two years, but now I have a chance. After the Trump tax bill and the reduction in regulations, there is now more jobs than ever. And you have a choice. You could ask to stop your Social Security or you can work past the 17640 and now have a big chunk of money coming in, but after your, your full retirement age. So important you realize that because for most people, Social Security is not what you thought it was going to be. When you started working, when you thought it was going to give you full 100% of your income or what you needed to live, a lot of folks, it didn't work, did it? Retirement used to be made up of planning your thirty-year mortgage was going to be paid off. Why do you think the mortgage is thirty years? Why not twenty-five? Why not thirty-five? Why not twenty-six? How did how did a thirty-year mortgage come to be? Well, where, what what does that number mean? If you do the math, when somebody finally settles down and they get married, right, and don't don't shoot the messenger, as they say. But the male was usually 25 years old. By the time he got settled and was married and got a job and went from his parents' bedroom, you know, spare bedroom, back bedroom, rented a house and finally settled in with his primary mortgage, he was between 30 and 35 years of age. And now at 30 to 35, when you add a 30 year mortgage because you were not expected to move every couple of years to upgrade for the school district. None of that baloney. You bought a house and you're done. And you added to it if you wanted or you cleaned it up or you remodeled, whatever. But when you do 35 years old plus a 30-year mortgage, guess how old you are? 65, which is when Social Security started. So it was a function of saying that's when we think people are going to retire. You might have sold a house, maybe you moved, maybe you bought another one. But by 30, 35 years of age, you're settled to where you're going to be. Because part of your retirement strategy was to have zero house payment. That is not what a lot of Americans are doing today. Why do you think there are 40-year mortgages or 50-year mortgages? Did you know that? A 50-year mortgage? You go, oh, that's insane, Arif. A bank does not care about the mortgage uh, time frame. They don't. They care about the purchase price. You care about the monthly payment. Banks care about the purchase price. So if you buy a house today for $500,000 and the bank is, is responsible, let's say, for 500000 and your payment is 3000 a month, you care about the 3000 a month. Because if I said, "Oh my gosh, the house down the street is 600,000, but the payment's going to be 2,500 a month." What would you buy? You're going to take the 2,500 a month. The bank is happy to get the 5 or 600. So 5 years, 10 years, 20 years later, the new bank all they care about is the next 5 or 600,000. The old bank just wants its money back and all the interest that you've paid. So when you were living a life based on monthly payments that's the conditioning that Wall Street that's the conditioning that Main Street that's the conditioning that the government has got you to believe. What why is your mortgage per month? Why is the electric bill per month? Why is it why not per week? Why not per day? Why not per year? Right? There's a formula that they've created And then everybody builds and backs into it. So if you are trying to save for your retirement life and you are living in a monthly formula, right? Bills are due on the first, electric bills due on the fifth. Then you have to keep in mind that part of your financial life means you've got to make sure you're getting a paycheck each month. Because most of you, I don't think you're bad people, but most people don't have the discipline. Okay, my paycheck is... Uh, 5,000 a month. So January 1st, you receive a check for $60,000. Do you really think you have the discipline, most of you, to just spend 5,000 a month, 5,000 a month, or by maybe March or, or June, you're going to be saying, oh, but you don't understand. I really need, I have to, I deserve, you know, I never have. It's been so long. We should do it, buy it. We should take the money, right? <laughs> right? We all do. You don't understand how much I deserve. If, listen, I don't care if you are a believer, a Christian or not. If you all got what you deserved, uh, it wouldn't be about money. So don't think you're going to be spending what you deserve, right? We're, we have a lot of grace going on in our lives. So the financial life that you receive is on a monthly basis. And that monthly check that comes in on the 1st, on the 15th, every single month, that monthly check that comes in is a function of you guys, all of us, living where we don't have to worry about money each and every day, do we? Because just about the time you run out, another paycheck comes in. So keep in mind that your family's finances require you to think monthly to succeed on the short term. But on the long term you want to think legacy monthly short-term legacy long-term and sometimes your legacy is going to be built using life insurance it's going to be built using real estate it's going to be built using your retirement accounts stay tuned to a future show because we're going to get into that i think a lot of people uh, at least lately have come into my office asking about legacy and i want to leave you with with an account that we dealt with recently uh, her name is Lisa. Lisa came in. She had opened an account uh, bu- 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 bu, uh, seven years ago. Oh, sorry, four years ago. Four years ago, she opened an account with a. Today, it's worth two hundred and fifty-six. So, in four years, she's made six thousand dollars. Okay. She pays three thousand one hundred dollars a year in fees. Thirty-one hundred dollars in fees. That means she's paid over twelve thousand dollars in fees her broker made 12,000, she made about 6. Now, when you talk about sales and you stay with a person like that or a company like that, you have to ask yourself, who's the better salesperson? Because if they can convince you to pay them $12,000 while they only give you 6, folks, you should not be paying the fees that that some of your brokers look You just don't need the risk. If you say, listen, I'm willing to take a third of my money and put it on red. And if it works, man, if that wheel spins and I hit it big, fantastic. But if not, it isn't going to change my monthly income. It isn't going to change my health care solutions at a later date. It isn't going to change the ability for me to to collect Social Security when I want to and not be forced to take it early. You see, a lot of people were forced to take Social Security early because they took risks they shouldn't and had no business doing. If you want help, that's what I do. We keep your money safe, we protect it from the market declines. 888 99 Retire, that's 888 997 3847. 997 3847. Retire. That's me, Arif Halaby. Total Financial Solutions. Listen, KRLA or AM870, look, we're here every week at this time. You can always go onto our website at TFS, stands for Total Financial Solutions, TFSWealth.com. TFSWealth.com, Total Financial Solutions. And we have a a few offices around. And I'm the guy that meets with you. There isn't a whole team of, of brokers in a boiler room where you get disappeared behind a glass door. Uh, we're here for you. Thanks for staying with me. Total Financial Solutions, safer money hour. I'm Arif Halliby on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is brought to you by Total Financial Solutions.